You're listening to Toronto's number one real estate podcast, powered by Watson Estates. The most successful local real estate investing starts right here, right now. Here's your host, broker, investor, and social media influencer, Bradley Watson. Good morning, investors. Bradley here from Watson Estates. I hope you guys have had a fantastic week because today is Friday, July 24th, 2020. And it is a beautiful day to talk about our favorite subject here, Toronto real estate. And we are number one on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts for that subject. I, as a broker and investor, want to know what's the latest news. Where am I going to get opportunities with my investment? And where are there good deals on the way? Well, you're going to hear a few of them today as we jump into what is the future of downtown condos. But very quickly, but not all that different for why that's the case, is the rental market. Why is the rental market, you know in all chaos. (laughs) And are people moving away from Toronto as a mass exodus? Or is this just kind of a short term trend? You know, it's like Egypt, right? Are people trying to get away? Or is the city a place to be long term? Which kind of, you know, my brain, it kind of gets me wondering this idea of ancient Egypt. Like when they did open houses, what do you do? You show up and ring a bell? Or do you just toot and come in? Toot and come in, toot and come in. (laughs) Terrible joke. You know me, I'm just chilling, sipping on my D caffeinated coffee. (laughs) Ew, who drinks decaf anyways? All right, guys, let's go. We're going to have some fun jumping into some of the latest news. Toronto Sun, first article of the day, new downtown condo listings in abundance, according to the report. New listings for downtown Airbnb-friendly condos have grown significantly faster than the Toronto average report says. So this comes from Zucasa. As COVID-19 restrictions are slowly easing and as the economy opens up, the decline in tourism and travel in the city because of the pandemic may have had a ripple effect on the real estate sector, especially on condo investments. No, duh. (laughs) It would have been nice to have had other platforms outside of us saying that that was a potential. I I think people could kind of paint that picture, but nobody was really saying that. We called it really. Rental market was so bad. You kind of, your people were going to scrambling. They're trying to get away from Airbnb and they're looking for those loving arms to embrace them and say, come here. We've been here the whole time. It's like one of those old, those old movies. Those like romantic comedies. They're probably not old. It's just, I don't watch them. <laughs> right. But it's no, it's everyone is leaving Airbnbs and they're running straight into long-term rentals. But if they knew that long-term rentals were just as bad, it is no promised land <laughs> as the, as the Israelites were looking for. It is just as bad. In fact, it is worse in many ways than Airbnb. And so we anticipated way back way back when that they would switch from Airbnbs to rentals and then promptly to listings. Well, that happened in June. And now all of a sudden we're surprised. But I also think if I were to add to this kind of expectation, you're going to see also not just Airbnbs going to long-term jumping onto listings, but you might find that they're going to start switching back to Airbnbs as well, because all this to say the long-term rental market is quite gloomy. <laughs> it's apocalyptic, right? We got these giant hailstorms coming down on our condo segment these days, but listen to some of these numbers. New listings in June for the Toronto condo apartment rentals grew 83% year over year. When we look at new rental listings for the buildings included in this analysis, they grew, I love how their numbers are so different, a staggering 257%. That is 3.5x. <laughs> I guess it's 2.5x. 
With 350 units listed in June compared to 98% last year, I saw an article, I think it was Toronto Stories today, that said the ones that have Airbnb, those units, the long-term rentals in those 10 buildings that they kind of looked at, grew by 108%. So there's a lot of Airbnbs that are switching over. The agency said that the temporary two-month ban on short-term rental lifting on June 5th and a slower tourism industry is forcing many short-term rentals investors to seek longer term tenants or consider selling their investment. I don't know where the short term rental thing really matters because here in Toronto, you're not supposed to be doing it. But I guess if you're going to follow the rules, you might as well follow the rules of Ontario. <laughs> don't follow the rules of Toronto. Just follow the rules of Ontario. If you're if you're in Airbnb world, you understand what that is, but we won't get into that today. COVID-19 created an increase in inventory and a drop in rental prices because of lower demand. So here's how they've positioned it. Students were the first to give up their leases, followed by those who became unemployed, right? That's the, that's been the steps that they're saying is came first. Who came first, the student, <laughs> student or the unemployed? Doesn't have the same ring to it. Because travel to the city remains limited, the demand for short-term rentals is still low despite re- related restrictions lifting. However, as the city opens up and COVID-19 cases decrease, which yesterday we had good numbers, hopefully we do again today, Kim says demand for long-term rentals is picking back up again. If you are a renter looking to move to the downtown area, now is the best time to take the leap if you can. I concur. I completely agree. And I haven't really said that, but that is a very good point. Sometimes I need to put myself in the shoes of the tenant a little bit more. As a tenant right now, get a lay of the land. Sit up on your, your high place in the beautiful world of Egypt and look out and look at everything before you. Anything the light touches. <laughs> what's, that, what's that dark area, Dad? Oh, we don't go there, son. That's Brampton. <laughs> I saw that in a meme once. Cracked me up, right? But look at everything going on before the tenants right now. You got low competition. You got a very high supply. And you've got pretty much the lowest prices you're going to get. If they come down, they're not going to come down much. That's a very good position to be in as those kids are getting ready for school. It's a good time. It is a good time. Not so good time for landlords, but it is a great time because I think it's going to get worse for tenants and landlords when there becomes this big scramble, which we're going to talk to what that eviction number is going to look like. And it is quite daunting. It's a different story from last year when rental vacancies were at an all-time low. And they say landlords are, if able to, should consider deferred payment plans for good tenants who need it if a rent reduction is not an option. So that's up to you on how you're going to manage with your tenant. It's actually really funny as I've kind of helped some people with getting some leases on that I've helped purchase the properties as investors. There's actually a button now on Kijiji that asks you, are you comfortable with deferring payments? It's actually an option as a a feature you can provide to your tenants. So it's becoming common and it's because we're seeing a lot of that in the in the purpose-built rental space, right? They're getting very creative and so small guys need to as well. But a perfect storm is scheduled to hit the condo market in the next couple months, but action needed to happen a month ago. If you have a condo in your grasp that you're like, I really wish I didn't have this right now, well, it's a little too late. Now is the time, I would say, to buckle up because we have such a, a huge influx of condos. I'd say you're actually selling yourself short now. It's getting to that point. So stop focusing on selling. Start thinking about now what you should be thinking about. Everybody should be thinking about is where are you going to buy the dip? Where can you buy more inventory that on the tail end of this in the long term, and we'll talk about the long term of the rental market shortly, that you will be well positioned with your portfolio to take advantage of the lows. Don't sell on the lows. (laughs) But the condo market's about to get hit very hard. It's going to be apocalyptic, folks.
split the sea type of apocalyptic. Okay, let's move on to this article. This one right here, guys. This is juicy. This is so super duper juicy. The Toronto rental market has softened for the first time in years. Now what? <laughs> I hope you guys like the pitch in my voice. Sometimes I go a little bit off and that's okay. You got you to gotta, you gotta bear with me sometimes. This article has a ton of information. It is just loaded. It's jam-packed. And the reason is because what they're doing is they're going back and looking at all the things we've come through and they're talking about all the places we're going or not going. We can now put some numbers behind what happened in the Toronto rental market after the province all but came to a standstill in mid-March due to COVID-19 pandemic. Nice of you to join us. <laughs> it's a great time to unlock the numbers. Let's share everything that's going on in the rental market after it's done. <laughs> But they have a lot of good info, so we're going to share it because it's nice to see what's happened, but it would have been nice to have at least gotten some warning. I mean, it's so easy to look back. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but nobody saw this year coming. <laughs> Industry trackers generally agree on the main factors currently affecting the GTA rental market. Here's a summary if, you're missing, if you have been living under a rock. The rental market here generally consists of those whose incomes are lower and who are in jobs that are more vulnerable to economic effects of the pandemic, which doesn't affect purchasing properties to the same extent. We've also got CERB, which means that 90% of rent paid in previous months to drop lower, many expect, right? So the people that have been able to pay, if CERB stops, a lot of them are not going to be able to pay anymore. And we'll talk about numbers in a minute. There is more supply of rental units, in the especially in the city's core, than there's been for years. And it's matched with a drop in demand, right? From people from immigration and foreign students and out-of-province workers, completely frozen, almost. Coming back now, but almost completely frozen a month ago. At the same time, large numbers of condo units formerly listed on Airbnbs, which we just talked about, are coming back online. Plus, construction continues on buildings because they're still rolling them out. All of this has led to lower rental prices, especially in the city's core. But here is a, a little thing coming on the, the radar that you guys should be really paying attention to is an eviction freeze is slated to end. This There's two articles that mention this, actually. In July... Eviction freeze, let me read that again, is slated to end in July. That's, that is currently, right? That day could be pushed back. But they say many expect to see evictions rise as the economic effects of the pandemic worsen, potentially exacerbating. Is that how you say that? Exacerbating. There's no T in there? I always say exacerbating. Wow, I've been saying that wrong. The effects of Bill 184. Da, da, da. Bill 184, that, that uh, starship's coming. We got to be careful. Because the bill passed. <laughs> I don't know if you heard about that. The bill's actually passed. So can we see evictions effective August 1st? It's possible. It is very possible. And it's got a lot of people freaked out. It's got people yelling at the mayor and making him have to sneak out the back door. Gordy Dent, executive director of the Federation of Metro Tenants Association, they say this. The analysis of purpose-built rentals since the 1940s shows investment in, is not the primary driver of purpose-built rentals. Wait a minute. This is an interesting point. So you're saying they don't build purpose-built rentals for money? Okay, why do they do it? They say it was government programs such as development charge rebates and limits on property taxes that were pulled in the 1990s. From 73 to 83, there were about half a million purpose-built rentals because of the government program. So they say this, when those programs were pulled back, conditions favored the building of condos. That makes sense. And it also makes sense why we're seeing a ton of purpose-built rentals coming back because they have really incentivized it. We've seen that. 
And, and maybe we are underappreciating that that's the reason. Maybe it's not just the cash. Maybe it's not just the money. Maybe the rental market's not as amazing as we sell all the time. Very interesting point. I love the counter argument. So delving into the numbers, the number of purpose-built rentals under construction was up 17% from a year ago. Almost two-thirds of rentals under construction were located in the former city of Toronto. So Toronto, you get it, former city before it was expanded. So that's a lot in the one little area. While there was an initial plunge in long-term rentals in, in registered buildings, a decline of 31%, by June, it was within 5%. So things were coming down and then they boom, promptly back up. And then by the second quarter, they're increased by 22%. And active listings still available at the end of June more than tripled from a year ago. So again, rental markets are getting clobbered. There is so much competition. It's crazy. The long-term rental market, this is also a good point, is just a slice of the whole rental pie. A very small slice. Like a pizza pizza slice. Like you're kind of like, really? That's it? <laughs> Even when I'm posting listings for my landlord, like clients, and I'm trying to get their property gone, I there are some times that I, I mean, I kind of have to put online if I'm doing them, but for my own properties, I just put them on Kijiji. Especially depending on the location, because oftentimes the MLS thing is just there to show, you know, I'm working with them. But most of the inquiries come through platforms like Kijiji. So when we're using the MLS data, it is heavily skewed. <laughs> in purpose-built rental, the vacancy rate is up to 1.8% in Q2 from 1.1% in Q1. So purpose-built rentals, they're not as severely impacted, though there aren't exact numbers, the conversion of Airbnb listings. Listen to this. They say that furnished units for 12, that switched to 12-month lease has grown by 52%, which is quite a lot. But listen to the bigger number. It represents 12% of all condo rental listings in the GTA and 21% of the growth in the total condo rental listings compared to last year. To me, that sounds low. That sounds low. I don't know about you, but if I were, if you were to say how big an impact has Airbnb had on the influx of rentals, I would have thought of a number bigger than 21%. I, I honestly would, but obviously it's still a lot. It's still a lot, but lower than I expected. The softening in the condo rental market led to rents to decline by 3.6% year over year, but there are some nuances in the details. So they broke it down by different market segments. I told you there's a lot of good stuff in here. At the high end, you know, the pharaohs, the pharaohs of the city, new construction rentals will be impacted as new units will be rented at market rates. So if you were thinking I'm going to get a whole bunch of, of money because I just got this new unit, it's going to be great. This is my expected cash flow. Well, not so much. Whereas the mid tier, which really is the low tier, I, I mean, do we really have a problem with being lower class? I thought an article had said, I think you need to be like 130,000 per year to be considered middle class in Toronto. What's wrong with being lower class? The lower class of today is not a servant. <laughs> I guess we are, it depends on where you work. <laughs> But you could actually prosper in, they call it the mid-tier, but I'll call it the low-tier, the entry-level properties. The affordable market does well in bad economic times. What a good point. What a good point. Bullpen Research and Consulting, which creates a national market report with Rentals.ca, adds that Rentals.ca surveyed 1,600 tenants, and they found in April and May, there was 40% to 50% were looking to move. So a lot of people want to move, and the main reason for that? Affordability. So... As much as we're kind of a little more confident of the the larger units, maybe it's because people were splitting them and get a better deal or whatever. This is pretty much indicating that down the road, the smaller stuff is going to go quicker because it's going to be more affordable. But that doesn't mean that Toronto is any more of an opportunity than the GTA. The vacancy rate in the 
is the highest in the former city of Toronto at 2.3%. And in the 905 guys, it sits at 0.9% according to Urban Nation. Wow. So if you look at per square foot, we see a 6% decrease in the city of Toronto. And in the 905, they had a decrease of only 1%. Significant price drops in the city of Toronto versus the GTA. And the reason is affordability. That's the reason. And people want to get away from their little little pizza pie in the sky. Urban Nation sees the bigger drops in rent prices in the core as likely being caused by less demand for the more expensive rentals there, as well as the expectation that work from home will continue. And that question is up to you. Is that going to be the case? Because if it's not, I, I think you'd be better opportunity if it's not the case. If people do come back in droves, well, then maybe the price, the discounts available to you right now in the city are incredible. Maybe we're completely understating them. Even during the pandemic, new construction was unaffected, of course. And people think pre-construction is cheaper. Listen to how this works out. A lot of the condos developed without pre-sales, which is a trend in a rising cost environment, which was the case, where developers still, they do not want to fix sales at potentially lower costs. They refuse to undersell their property. They're speculating. That's a, a fancy way of saying they're speculating. Many of these units could go for rental units. They refuse to sell them at a discount. Stop telling me pre-constructions are cheaper. They're not. <laughs> so here's the question. Exodus or short-term trend? Well, according to John Pasalis and Realosophy Realty, they say that they saw urban exodus as a trend or as a long-term thing. Uh, they're saying this municipalities on average distance to Toronto at 86 kilometers. They're seeing sales volumes up more than 40% over the last year. There's actually a, a big thing that they're saying. There's huge numbers moving away and you're seeing that. And the numbers are showing that on the other hand, realtor Ingram, I wouldn't be surprised if he sells in Toronto said in an interview that he sees growth outside Toronto as more for demographic purposes or reasons such as the movement of young people rather than being pandemic related. And I don't think there's anything against that point either, because yes, is, is it, I guess, have people not been moving outside of the city before COVID? No, I do think people were moving away from the city pre-COVID. I think it's a combination of both. I think you've got a large number of people leaving the city, but you also don't have those spots being filled by outsiders, you know, immigration, people coming for students and, and employment or, or like higher wealthy people moving up within the city and you know, not to mention people aren't moving inwards anymore. That trend has stopped people going towards the city. So it's, it's more so just a shut off. I think it's a balance. I think we have an exodus and we also have something that long-term will favor the main city of Toronto, but that calls up to you. And then <laughs> I think this is hilarious. And, and I am, I'm generally one to stand on the side of the landlord. So any chance I get to poke at at our side of the table, I'm going to do it. Here we go. <laughs> even though missed rent payments are relatively low, even if they stay at the same rate, landlords will not have revenue to pay for operating costs or some will be unable to pay their mortgages, says Tony Irwin, president and CEO of the Federation of Rental Housing Providers of Ontario. And some are racking up debt through deferred mortgage payments. <laughs> Okay, daddy, chill. <laughs> you aren't, quote, racking up debt. <laughs> You're deferring it, okay? You know what that means? That means a nominal increase in your rent next month. Relax. If you're putting, if you're playing such a tight game, maybe you don't deserve to be a landlord in the first place. <laughs> but landlords, they are screwed, right? This is the last chance to save them. And it's going to be this. The government will need to bail out the landlords and tenants as they agree on repayment plans. If they don't do that, then landlords have literally gotten screwed from every angle, okay, forget, backtrack, <laughs> rewind, PG, 92% full payments, 
5.4% partial payments, 2.8% no payments. Those are the numbers, right? Those are the numbers for June. So there's not many that haven't paid. I mean, 5.4% partial payments, 2.8% no payments, not bad. I was one of the advocates that said we need to be supporting landlords early on. And now that I look back, you know what? I'm gonna I'm I'm not too big to say that maybe I was wrong. When I look back, maybe that was the right call. Maybe we should I should stick to my own thing and say, you know what, maybe less government intervention is a good call. And because now we can just do damage control on the few and far between. Clearly, it's a much smaller amount than if we were subsidizing and giving more money into the pocketbooks of landlords. Damn those landlords, those wealthy people. I hate them so much, even though they own my house. Just ends with some landlords left as collateral damage. That's the end of it all. If you don't, if you don't bail them out, then what do you got? You got a few, you got collateral damage on the tenants because there's gonna be mass evictions, a lot of mass evictions. And there's gonna be landlords that are left holding the bag. Hopefully they've got another bag on the side to cover that cost. An unexpected end this month of the eviction moratorium in Ontario will likely mean more people on the streets. Another point here where they're saying they're expecting that as early as next month, we could have mass evictions. It'll be very interesting. Why, if that's the case, is this not bigger news? Why is it not bigger news? Uh, Put on those stone tablets, send it out to all the local Egyptians. (laughs) But instead, we got demonstrators. This is really the loudest voice in the room is demonstrators yelling at the mayor of Toronto, who really claims to have no power, demanding that the eviction moratorium be halted. This Bill 184, that is Ontario, a province of Ontario bill. But yell at Tory, stand outside of his house. And then the funny thing is, he's like, I'll talk to you after. I'll talk to you after. And then he sneaks out the back door because he's like, guys, I can't do anything. Chill. (laughs) Really funny interaction that's happening. But I mean, there's real people involved in here. Listen to these numbers. Let me break it down to you on the seriousness of Ontario before we move into our next topic, because I think you guys get the idea of the rental market. But this is very important. And these are numbers that I didn't even know. This is very, very very, did I say it's important? Here we go. Estimates that with about 10% of non-payment of, of rents and about 1.5 million renter households, that is about 150,000 households in the non-payment fold vulnerable to evictions with an average of about 2.6 people per household. We are looking at a one month estimate of about 400,000 brackets people evicted. So 400,000 people in Ontario to be evicted, making up 150,000 households. The numbers I've seen are like (laughs) 50,000. Now we're talking 150,000. Whew! (laughs) That's a lot of thousands. (laughs) That's a lot of people, right? And so... (laughs) Guys, if you're a tenant, lock in those properties now because it's gonna get it's gonna get a little bit crazy out here. <laughs> Longer term supply crunch, they do agree in this article. If I could just summarize it, long term, we have the fundamentals that are going to push prices higher once again. But of course, Toronto's gonna get hit for a little while because relative to the 905, we are expensive. What's next? Part of the answer comes from creating affordable rental housing. Government needs to step in. If in fact the government incentives is the reason purpose-built rentals are being built in the long term when prices go up, we need those incentives in order to make sure there is sufficient supply. Okay, let's go. Let's move on. (laughs) We're going to move on to home sales surge outside of Toronto as residents seek more rural life. You want to get that tractor? You want to deal with those crops? Grow those crops out there in in the desert? The deserts of King King City or Caledon, Ontario. (laughs) Global news is what they have to say. With so many amenities shut down during the pandemic, putting up with Toronto's sky-high real estate prices and often cramped living conditions is seeing many eschewing, 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 
<laughs> Urban life for more rural settings. Man, my English. You're supposed to keep a grade eight grammar here, guys. Come on. Here's a quote. In the top seven municipalities that saw the biggest growth, sales are up 40% over last year over the past six weeks, according to John Pasalis. Interesting stats. Interesting stats. The area of those sales, he said, were on average about 86 kilometers away from the city of Toronto. Durham region and other areas within a close drive to Toronto have been an affordable alternative in the past. However, people are moving further outside these areas. Areas like Caledon, Innisfil, King, you know, just these outer, outer suburbs that are kind of not even the typical 905, you know, Markham, Richmond Hill, these areas people are going to, which is very different, very different. They're not easily accessible to the downtown core, but why do you need to go there anymore? <laughs> Except for maybe those drive-in movies or something. But even those are in the suburbs. But while there have been a boom in some regions, he said the traditionally low sales volume in those areas also need to be recognized. The test, Pasala said, will be to see how long the trend continues. And I agree. This is a million-dollar question up in the air right now. Is this a long-term trend or not? And I think for 2020, the second half or the fourth quarter of 2020, other than the fact that we've got a supply challenge, we've got a destruction of the condos right now in, in the main city, what is, how is this going to play? Because if you got a call, this is going to be long-term on the outskirts, move to the outskirts and catch it while it's down in the coming months. Not right now because it's too expensive, but in the next couple months, right? Or do people go back to the city, in which case you get an even better deal because on the flip end of this, when the buildings say, you know what, we do got to bring people back downtown. In fact, we need more office space. If this is the movement, we got to go back to the main city. You know what? They split the seat, but they only be back. They'd be bad. <laughs> then you make your investments there and you, you, you make bank, right? I think it's hard to say how long these trends will last, but we're certainly seeing these early signs of people moving to the suburbs. That's what's happening in the short term. And of course, here on Toronto's number one real estate podcast, I'm going to be mapping it out. And if that trend changes, because what we've been noticing over the last two decades in the GTA, the 905 sales have been 60% relative to Toronto, right? People as a percentage. Now, this year for the first time, they're at 67%. Abnormal apocalyptic but do we go back to normal trends or has covid changed it forever i'm gonna go with historics i that's where i stand right now but that could change and it'll change very quickly and i'll let you know right i think in five years it'll come back to the main city but in the short term of course rural outskirt communities will shine just like the egyptians you know they were asking where to build the pyramids <laughs> they're like where do we go should we be in the main egypt the city of egypt proper <laughs> Where do we where do we put our mummies? <laughs> uh, you know, a place to kick back, eat those Ferrero Rochers <laughs> or Ferro Rochers. <laughs> All right, I'm going to leave it there, guys. Hopefully you learned some stuff, lots of great stats. And as we round into the weekend, hopefully I'll see you guys and I'll talk to you soon. Take care and keep it real.